Good morning, Camel River Baptist Church, and welcome to our service this morning. We're so excited this morning because we get to do communion together. If you haven't prepared any elements for yourselves this morning, please do so and have those ready for the end of the service. It'll be right after Pastor Dwight's sermon. Uh, also, if you just want to throw some comments in, tell us where you're watching from, who you're watching with, what you're doing today, we'd love to hear all of your comments. Engage with us. We're excited that you can join us this morning, and hopefully you have a good rest of your day. Good morning. My name is Erwin, and, and I'm, I'm glad you're here with us to, to worship this morning. You know that the scriptures encourage us to, to sing, and, and, and this psalm is talking about that. And I know we can't do that right now together, but you can still sing. Uh, worship God, whether singing in the shower or at home or on, on a walk. Uh, psalm 96 says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He's to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. My name is Emma and I'm Leora and we have a few announcements for you today The first announcement is about our meet the pastor event that we're going to be having on July 19th We're hoping as many of you guys can come out and do a drive-by meet with Dwight and Sandra They're awesome and they would love to meet you. The time will be at 10 a.m. to noon There will be more info to follow our second thing is just, as you might notice, this week we started a 9 a.m. service instead of 10. We're gonna keep doing that throughout the summer. The third announcement is about the survey that we sent out. We've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks. We've put it out on our Facebook. We've put it out on our website. We would love for you to fill it out. So if you haven't filled that out or been able to see that, make sure you contact the office and we will get that right to you. Our fourth announcement is about our kids program. We have two things running right now. We have our backyard kids camp that's running during the week through the month of July. And we always have a Sunday Bible story for everyone. You can find those on our YouTube channel, which you can subscribe to, or you can go on our website and find them there. Our last announcement is about our online service. So not everyone in the congregation has internet. So if you know someone in your circle that doesn't have internet or has a hard time watching our Sunday service, we want to encourage you to bring that person or maybe up to five people into your home to have a small group watch party of our Sunday service. We think it would be a wonderful way to connect in this time and let us know if we can help you in any way. My name is Scott Bailey, I'm the Executive Director at Camp Quantos, and I'm here at Quantos with a bunch of our staff. We have an amazing uh, team here. Uh, as we all know, COVID-19 has brought many changes in our world, and it's had great impact here on the ministry of uh, Camp Quantos. We lost all our guest groups in the last three and a half months, all of our retreats. We had over 40 accepted international staff, none of them can come. 
Uh, but through March, April, May, uh, we remained focused on preparing for our, the summer. We wanted to be ready uh, for whatever was going to be possible. But sadly, uh, in late May, our provincial health officer, Dr. Uh, Bonnie Henry, uh, she decided that overnight camps uh, were not going to be possible this summer in BC. In early March, we were on pace to welcome more kids than ever before to a summer here at Camp Kwan. It was over 4,500, uh, including many from your area. Uh, I can't even explain to you how all of us here are so heartbroken uh, over all of this. Uh, we had such high hopes of how God was going to be at work uh, in the lives of all of these over 4,500 kids who were going to come. These changes have also caused a very serious financial situation and our future is in jeopardy. We have lost 75 to 80% of our entire year's budget and we need to raise $1.3 million just to make it through this current season. Through these months, our focus has remained on Jesus. We've been trusting Him with everything. All around us things have been changing, but one thing has not changed, and that's the heart of Quanos. Our purpose, our mission, our passion remains the same. We exist to love kids to life, and we are as committed to this purpose more than ever. This summer, an amazing adventure awaits, one that none of us have ever done before, and I want to invite you to be part of it. Here's what's happening. In mid-June, Dr. Bonnie Henry gave approval for day camps. So we are offering day camps every week this summer from Monday to Friday. Campers can still come. Registration is now happening. The aqua park is ready. The challenge course is open. Land activities, all-star games, Q-Town, it's all gonna happen. And God is gonna be at work. As for our youth leadership programs, we are moving forward full steam ahead. Our Step Out and CIT programs have moved online, and some of our CITs are even going to be able to serve a week or more here at Camp Quanos. Our LIT program is also still moving forward as scheduled. In addition to all this, we're also going to be connecting all summer long with some of our Youth Leadership Program students who weren't able to make it here this summer. So with this in mind, we are planning some live stream Q-Towns, Firesides and more. We have even built Camp Quanos in Minecraft, and we are calling it Quanos MC. It launches in early July, and there's even more that will be announced soon. The reason? Well, we want to share the light and love of Jesus with children and youth everywhere, especially those who cannot come this summer. God has brought together an amazing staff team. We are here right now with staff training, getting ready. We invite you to be part of our summer. There's so many ways you can help our team. Pray. We need your prayers. Consider being part of our prayer team. Invite kids to come here to day camp. And would you prayerfully consider helping with the financial need so that Quanos is able to continue into the future? We are so thankful for the partnership we have with you. Thank you for letting us share today. We love you all. We see ourselves as your arms and feet, seeing you love kids in your town. We could not do this without you. We do it together. In John 12, 46, Jesus said, I've come as a light to shine in this dark world so that whoever puts their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. We on Quano staff, we believe that, and we know that God wants to shine his light to our entire world. We are right at the start of our summer adventure, and we cannot wait. And I can't wait to tell you what God is going to do here through your camp this summer in the lives of all the ones he's going to send and all the ones that we're going to connect with online. We are expecting something unforgettable. Thanks for letting us share with you here today. And again, we are just asking for your prayers and for you to join with us with what God is going to do through your camp here this summer. 
Hello everybody, it's Ryan Davis here, your senior youth intern. This morning I'm going to be praying for a few things, so I'd ask you to join me. I'm going to be praying for our offering, and I'd also like to take a moment to pray for all of our different families who are going into summer, and it's a little bit different this year. We don't have the typical summer camps, we don't have the activities open, and so if you have young kids or kids that are normally out and about, I just want to take a moment to pray for you and just the changes that are coming this summer. And uh, I also want to thank you guys for your continued support. In this time, it has been overwhelming and there's no way to say how much we appreciate it. And because of your guys' continued support, it allows us to continue to do the ministries that we have running. It allows us to continue to improve our Sunday service. And so just thank you guys so much for your generosity and for your giving hearts. So please join me in prayer. Lord Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning and that we can be together. Father, we want to take a moment and we want to thank you for Pastor Dwight and for the message that he's bringing. We ask, Lord, that you would speak through him and that you would open our hearts to hear from you. Lord, we want to thank you for how you have continued to provide and support this church, Lord, and how you are continuing to provide for the families and for all the different people who call CRBC home. We ask, Lord, that you would bless them in this time, Lord, and Father, we want to lift up all of the families who are going to be trying to figure out what this summer looks like and how to do things differently. We ask for creativity, Lord, and we ask, Lord, that this would be a summer of reconnecting as families. We thank you for the opportunity to do things differently. It's easy to get stuck in just doing things because we've always done them. And so sometimes force change is nice. So Jesus, thank you for that opportunity. And we just ask that you bless this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, Pastor Dwight here again with you. Welcome to CRBC Online. We get to consider God's message for us this morning. As you can see, it's the fire shirt this morning. This is the one where I, I wear and it's gonna be a fire and brimstone. We're not really doing fire and brimstone. We're actually gonna talk about fire this morning. And we're gonna look at Rack Shack and Benny. Three friends united by faith and tested by fire. It's number four in our Fearless series, and we're going to look at Daniel chapter 3, sort of in the middle of the Old Testament. The old Veggie Tales video named them Rack, Shack, and Benny, three young men who faced one of the most fearful situations you could ever imagine, and God uniquely delivered them. We're going to head to Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq. It's the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign over the southern kingdom of Judah in Israel. And that happened about 606 BC. Babylon is under King Nebuchadnezzar. And Babylon attacked and conquered Judah. And they go to Judah and uh, King Nebuchadnezzar tells his generals to find for me the best of the best and bring those young men to Babylon. They need to be born of noble birth, the smartest, the best educated, the best looking, the ones with the brightest future. Take these young men and they will become leaders in our own nation. Get them to understand Babylonian culture so that they'll not revert to their native culture. Indoctrinate them into our culture. Feed them our food, teach them our language, teach them our history, teach them about our gods. Now in Babylon, it is part of that ancient world that, where there's a heavy slave culture. And the idea was to have these slaves leave all the boring stuff to them, all the administration, running the whole country. The slaves can do that. Educate them and they'll take care of it. So there were three young boys. And they were young when they were captured and taken to Babylon, probably in their late teen years. And the first thing that happened to them is their names were changed. 
Hananiah, which means Yah or God has favored, his name was changed to Shadrach. Mishael means who is what God is. His name was changed to Meshach. And Azariah, whose name means God has helped, his name was changed to Abednego. So we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their birth names all related to God, and their new names all reference Babylonian gods. So every time we call you, we want you to think about the Babylonian gods instead of Yahweh, your God. I think for us, we need to remember that God wants us to hear what he says about us. Our spiritual enemy wants to twist it so that we hear only what he says. All your life, maybe you've heard some lies about yourself and you start to believe them. You're never gonna to amount to anything. You're never gonna make a difference. You're not good enough. You're stupid, you're a loser, you're pathetic. No matter how hard you try, your life will never count. Maybe you've heard it over and over and over and then you start to believe it. Remember what the angel of the Lord said to Gideon, you are a mighty warrior. Gideon said, well, I don't believe that. I'm the least and the weakest. God saw him one way, but he saw himself the other way. So these Babylonian leaders, they said, let's call them by Babylonian gods. Maybe they will believe that those are the real gods. In Daniel chapter three, verse one, we read these words, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high and nine feet wide and set it up on the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar, he's the king of, of the biggest empire of the day. He's made a real name for himself, and he made an image of gold. Whether he made it in the image of himself or just an image of a god, we're not really sure. But it was a huge idol, 90 feet tall. That's 10-story building, 9 feet wide. And the instruction was to everyone of his government of leaders, his magistrates, his officials, worship this idol or else I'll throw you into the fire. Everyone, come in here. We're going to dedicate this huge idol. So everybody's there on the plains of Dura. He wanted to bring solidarity to this multicultural society. In verse 4, it says, Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you're commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Well, they had quite the band set up, and it says, as soon as you hear the band playing, you have to bow down and worship this idol. Whoever does not worship will be immediately thrown into the blazing furnace. And most likely these furnaces were the smelting furnaces that were left over from making this image that was probably some sort of metal. I've never seen a blazing furnace like they had there, but I've been near a few really big bonfires. There were enough to intimidate me in a very serious way. So King Nebuchadnezzar is here. He tells the whole kingdom to bow down. Everyone bows low except for three young men. They stood tall, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When the king found out about this man, he was furious. He called the men. He says, I'll give you one more chance. When the music plays, bow down and worship. In verse 15, he says, 
But if you do not worship, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? What God? Well, here is the test of faith. Are they fearful or fearless? I think our lesson this morning really states this. A faith that's tested by fire is a faith that can be trusted. A faith that is tested by fire is a faith that can be trusted. Can your faith handle the fire? For a lot of people, their faith can't. They have maybe a pseudo-faith, a pretend faith, or as some said, a faith light. It has all the taste, only half the calories. All the salvation, only half the obedience. Could your faith handle the trial of an unanswered prayer? Could your faith handle the fire of a fallen Christian leader? We trust our leaders in Christ, and then in a moment of stupidity, even years of sinfulness, they fall, and many believers fall away as well. Can your faith handle personal loss, the loss of personal possessions, the loss of your health, the loss of someone that you love? Jesus was telling a parable one time about a farmer who was spreading seed, and he says it's like the seed thrown on rocky places. They hear the word and at once receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, they quickly fall away. A faith light. What happens when you want to conceive a child and you can't? What happens when your child is born and then doesn't live? What happens when someone that you love is taken in a car wreck? Can your faith handle the fiery trials of life? Because the truth is, a faith that is tested by fire is a faith that can be trusted. Well, Rakshak and Benny were exiled in their teens. Now they're in their early 20s. They had dreams. They have hopes for the future. They wanted to live. They wanted to make a difference. Now they're faced with this unbelievable choice. Bow down this one time and everything's cool. If you don't do this one thing, it's game over. Do not pass go, do not collect $200, it's game over. What would you do? You might be thinking, well, I'm here to make a difference in these Babylonian lives. I wanna help expose them to Yahweh, and if I'm dead, I can't do that. So it might be better to bow down just this once. I'll still worship God. I won't really worship their God. I'll worship my God in my heart, and God will understand. I'll worship this idol just this one second. Okay now, Lord, forgive me. The problem is when we rationalize one time, we can rationalize two. When we rationalize two times before we know it, we're rationalizing three. Before long, we're simply living a life of compromise. Understand that Rakshak and Benny they had already accommodated to their culture in a lot of ways. They had changed their names. They wore the clothes of the people around them. They were involved in the civil administration of a huge empire. They were actually Chaldeans or the Magi. They were scientists within that culture. And in this huge multicultural society, they fit in and they fit in quite well. But one area that they felt they could not compromise was in their worship. We will worship our God, not your God as well. When we're influenced to compromise, it often focuses on our worship. 
What do we do when our faith is tested by fire? Well, the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego teach us three things. Number one, it teaches us to obey God's commands instead of human expectations. In verse 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. What's interesting is they didn't take time out to figure this out, to have a confab, to decide, or, you know, we, we want to, can we call a friend? Uh, do we have a lifeline? I need to make a list of the pros and cons. There could be times when there is one pro to obey God and the cons out actually outweigh the pros. When the pro is to obey God, you always go with obeying God. Looking at the pros and cons can lead you to a life of compromise. Their reply really said, we don't have to talk about this, King. We've already made up our minds. We'll always obey the commands of God, never the expectations of people around us. The second thing when our faith is tested by fire is to believe God's truth instead of the facts. Now that sounds a little strange. Look at verse 17. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. It wasn't the God we've heard about, the God our friends serve, the God we read about in a book, the God we heard about at church, but what they said was, this is the God we serve, the God that we know, the God that we've been in fellowship with, the God that we've trusted, the God that our parents have trusted, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who for generations has been faithful to his people. That is a God that we know firsthand, and he is able to save us from this. So the king said, bow down. That was a fact. They didn't do it. That's another fact. The king was angry. Fact. The king was building a big bonfire. Fact. The fire was hot. Fact. Everyone who was thrown into it turned into s'mores. Fact. The king was about to throw them into it. Fact. Our God will deliver us. Truth. Fact and truth. In our lives today, we have many of these situations come up. It's a fact. It's humanly impossible to walk on water. The truth is, Jesus did it. So did Peter under the power of Jesus. It is a fact that when you're dead, you're dead. But the truth is that Jesus didn't stay dead. When he spoke to other dead people, they didn't stay dead either. It's a fact when you're out of money and in financial trouble, there's more months than money. The truth is Jesus is your provider. The fact can be that the doctor says there's no hope, and the truth is that Jesus is the great physician. The fact is your marriage could be in big trouble, but the truth is that God is a God of restoration. The fact could be that you face an impossible situation and you don't know what to do. The truth is all things are possible with God. The fact is that you feel far from God. You've been disobedient to God. You don't know where God is. The truth is that he's pursuing you right now and his Holy Spirit is moving after you. The fact is that maybe you feel like the biggest loser. You could stand another chance with God. The truth is that he is ready for you right now. He's working in all things to bring about good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We need to distinguish between the facts and the truth. 
We don't just believe what we see, we believe what God says. We don't just believe the facts, we believe the truth, which is the ultimate reality. So when your faith is tested by fire, we obey God's commands instead of man's expectations. We believe God's truth instead of the facts. And number three, we don't just believe in God, we believe God. Many will say that they believe in God, but there's a huge difference between believing in him and believing him. Scripture says that even the demons believe in God. Maybe our biggest challenge is that we believe in him, but we don't really believe him because his truth does not affect our lives during the week. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't just believe in Yahweh. They believed him enough to put it all on the line and say he is able and he will. Truth is about choosing to act, even if we're not certain of the outcome. There's a scene from the 1989 movie, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Near the end of the movie, Indy must pass through several tests to reach the Holy Grail. And the instructions for the path of God says, only in the leap from the lion's head will he prove his worth. With Indy's father close to death and the grail the only hope to save him, Indy rushes through a doorway below a carved lion's head, and he finds himself standing on the edge of enormous cannon, on the, an enormous canyon, not a cannon, a canyon. On the opposite wall is a door, but in between is nothing but air. What will he do? With no other option, time running out, he does the only thing he can do. He steps out into the abyss, and his foot hits solid ground. The camera pans down and reveals a bridge across the canyon, perfectly camouflaged to look like the opposite wall of the canyon. Think for just a second what Indy could have done. Knowing that this was a test of faith, he could have stood there and tried as hard as he had could to believe that there was a way across. He could have yelled at himself for not going to church more often, for not listening to his believing father, and none of it would have done him any good. The only thing that made it possible for him to really believe was for him to take that first step. And then it wasn't a matter of forced belief. Now he knew the bridge was there because he was standing on it. Believe God. Don't just believe in God. In Daniel 3, 13, 18, verse 18, we continue to read in the story. The young men respond to the king. But even if God does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. Even if God does not, this is the deepest form of faith. It is a faith of no matter what. You know, some people have a small God. It's like a, that small cup of Tim Horton's coffee. And that's really those who say, I believe God can, and that's a good place to start. All things are possible with God. I believe God can do this. Some people have a bigger God, you know, like a medium cup of coffee. And that's where many churchgoers live. Not only do they believe that God can, but I believe that he will. These are the people whose faith can easily be destroyed. I believe that he will, but he didn't. Why not? This isn't fair. 
He must not be real. If he is, he must not be good. And a medium-sized God is a God that you not only believe can, but you believe he will. Let me introduce you to a third one. This is the big God, the extra large, the grande, or if you're a Starbucks fan, the Tronte. The God that I read about in the Bible, the God who knew you before you were even born, the God who exists outside of time, the God who is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the God who knows the end before the beginning even starts. When you know that God, you don't just believe that he will, but you believe this. Even if he doesn't, I still believe. You believe in a God who's working in all things to bring about good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You believe him when everything else goes against you. When everything that you see is going the wrong direction, you still believe in him. And just like these three young men, when they were about to be thrown into the fire, they said, our God will rescue us, medium-sized God. But if and if he doesn't, we still believe that is a big God. The question is, how big is your God? We will still believe God no matter what. If we lose our job and we don't know what to do, if we're praying for our kids and they're going the wrong way, if we pray and we believe that God will answer this prayer, but he doesn't, if we're praying for someone to be healed and they're not healed the way that we think they should be, if someone that we love and respect who is a follower of Christ betrays us and hurt us, if we hurt, we ache, if we're afraid, if we feel alone, if we're persecuted for doing the right thing, if his word makes me uncomfortable, I will do what he says. If everybody else is making fun of me, if I don't get the promotion because I'm living for Christ, if I do not obey what people say, I obey what God says, no matter what. I still worship him because he's still God, no matter what I feel, no matter what I see. I do not live by feelings, I live by faith, no matter what. Unfortunately, too many people believe in him but do not believe him. The moment you get hurt, the moment something happens, the moment somebody's not nice to you in church, you run off and leave the church and leave the faith. When you believe him, you believe him no matter what. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego they said, I believe God can, I believe he will, but even if he doesn't, you need to know this, O King, we belong to him and we worship him and no other God. King Nebuchadnezzar says, fine, have it your way, boys. Turn the fire up, heat it up seven times, go find the strongest guards, tie up Rakshak and Benny, throw them in the fire. Well, the soldiers did just that. And it says that the heat was so intense that it killed the soldiers, but it didn't kill Rakshak and Benny. King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, didn't we not cast three young men into the midst of the fire? Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods, like the son of God. It is an Aramaic phrase. Some people say it was an angel. Some say it was a pre-incarnate Christ, a divine being in the middle of the fire. You may never know just how good the presence of God is until you're in the middle of the fire. I thought it was just us, but there's someone else here beside us. I believe it's a presence of Christ.
Some people have said, I know this is my worst nightmare, but somehow we're not getting burned. How do you do it, people ask? How do you even get up in the morning? How do you make it day by day? And I've heard people respond, I don't know. All I can tell you is right now, God is enough. God is enough. That is a faith that is tested by fire. That is a faith that can be trusted. That's a no matter what faith. Sometimes we experience the goodness of God in the most powerful ways when we're in the middle of the fire. He is enough. Well, we continue to read in verse 27, 28. It says, They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Miracle. None of their hair was singed. Miracle. None of their robes were scorched. Miracle. There was no smell of fire even on them. Then King Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's commands and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. That is a faith that has been tested by fire. That is a faith that can be trusted. When we're tested by fire, we never obey man's expectations. We always obey the command of God. We don't just look at the facts, we look at the truth. We don't just believe in God, we believe him. We will know his presence like never before and never be the same. Are you in the middle of a fire right now? Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you that you are not the God who knows all of the intimate, that you are the God who knows all of the intimate details of the hurts that we are experiencing. Even when things aren't going our way, you still are God. Help us not to compromise, but to be obedient to you no matter what. Give us the faith not just to look at the facts, but to believe your truth even when the facts say something different. God, give us the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Not only would we believe in you, but we would believe you. We believe you're able to deliver us from the fires that we face. We believe that you will. And we pray and we ask that you would. And when you do, I pray it would be so great that just like Nebuchadnezzar, people would look on and say, man, that could only happen from the hand of God. We pray that you would be glorified as you deliver us from the fire. Father, we believe that you can, and we believe that you will, and even if you don't, oh God, we still believe. In Jesus' name, amen.
we have the opportunity to share together in communion. We haven't had the opportunity to gather together. Uh, koinonia means fellowship, it means gathering together, and because of COVID, we're kind of separated. However, because of technology, we can actually connect together this way. So this morning, we're going to have communion together at this time, and uh, you can have grabbed, your, hopefully, your, your juice and your bread, crackers, whatever you're going to use, and let's, uh, let's come before God together. The scripture that often is read is what the Apostle Paul tells us about the Lord's Supper. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Communion is that opportunity. The, the Lord's Supper is the opportunity to, for a believer in Jesus Christ to remember him, to remember the significance of his death, his resurrection. And we do it very simply by these elements that actually come out of the Passover. The bread was the unleavened bread, and specifically the, the ephicum and a specific part of the service. And then the cup is the fourth cup, the cup of redemption. And these were part of the service, but very significant. Jesus took these parts out and he changed them into a memorial to remind us of who he is. And so we want to remember Jesus this morning, what he did for us as the bread reminds us of his body that was that was bruised and tortured and broken for us, the physical body, but more so it, the body that he took on himself, our sin. And we remember that. So as they did in those days, and as it says in the scriptures, he gave thanks, he broke it and said, so let's give thanks together. Father, thank you for the bread. It's a staple of life, and yet it reminds us that you are the bread that you are our life. It reminds us that your body was broken and bruised for us. You suffered for us. You took our sin on yourself, something horrific for one who knew no sin. We thank you. And as we partake of this bread, remind us of what you've done, for we do this in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name, amen. This is my body which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember him together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. Now the cup was wine, was grape juice, was red, reminded them of the blood. And it reminds us of the blood of Jesus, that he, he shed his blood, that there was death, and he died for us. That crucifixion was about blood and death. This cup is the new covenant. And the beauty of it is it's the new covenant, the new agreement, the new testament, or the new will. As you make out a will, your last will and testament, that's really what this word is meaning. That this was the new agreement with God. That because of Jesus' blood, we have that opportunity to be children of God, to be sons and daughters, to princes and princesses of God because of Jesus. 
In the same way, he took the cup. So he prayed, and they drank. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for the cup that reminds us of your blood, that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins, it tells us in Scripture. And you shed your blood, and Hebrews tells it, it was once for all. It doesn't have to be done again and again and again. You did it, and we remember that. And as we remember this morning, we pray your blessing of the new covenant upon us, that we have this opportunity to be children of God, that we have the opportunity to be righteous because of your righteousness. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the blessings you bring to us through Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's remember him together. Those verses go on. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He is coming again. He is alive. We celebrate the resurrection. And every first day of the week, we gather together in whatever way we can to remember Jesus died for us, Jesus rose for us, Jesus lives for us, and he's coming back for us again someday, maybe today. God bless you. Have a great week. Pastor Dwight, thank you so much for that message. I hope that this message spoke to everybody in some way. I hope that it registers in your heart in some way, something you've been going through recently. In the midst of the pandemic, it can be really challenging to know what's gonna happen, to know where everything is gonna land. And I think that this message can really speak to that because even when things are hard, even when we don't know what the outcome is going to be, God is still good and we can trust him in the midst of whatever fiery furnace life throws at us. And so I hope this morning, there's something that really connects with you and um, I'm just going to pray for us as we go into the rest of our day. So Jesus, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, that we can trust you. We can lean into you, Lord, and we don't need to know how things are going to turn out. We don't need to know whether it's going to be super good or whether it's going to be super challenging. We just need to trust you, Jesus. We need to trust that you are good no matter what. And so, Lord, we thank you, we love you, and we just thank you for Pastor Dwight and for him bringing this message this morning. We pray, Lord, that as we go into this week, Lord, no matter what comes, that this would be on our hearts and on our minds, Lord, and that we would have an opportunity to, to practice this. We would have an opportunity to practice our faith in this way, to trust you in some new way this week, Lord. And so we lift all this up, and uh, Father, we just commit the rest of our week to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you guys next week, 9 o'clock.